Father in heaven, it's so great a privilege that we can be here in thy house in this day. Lord, we're, we're moved by the, the fact that we have it so good that we can come into a bright place on a bright morning, unmolested of the world around us, Lord, and, and feel the fellowship of, of brethren and to be able to be taught of thy word. Lord, we know there are so many in this world in this day that don't have that privilege like we do, and we would intercede on their behalf. Lord, we're, we're mindful of those that are persecuted for thy name. We're mindful of those that are, are shut in and, uh, or not feeling well and, and can't, can't be with their family of faith in this day. And Lord, pray a, a blessing and a particular inspiration for them as well. And Lord, we're mindful of others that have chosen not to be before thy word in this day. And Lord, there are reasons for that too. And so, Lord, we pray that thy spirit could speak to them, speak in particular to their hearts and the needs that they have, and give them an encouragement and instruction where it's needful for them as well. Lord, now as we would open your word, pray that you would teach us from it, give us inspiration for the week to come, give us admonition where it's necessary and encouragement where it's needful. And for it all, Lord, we'll thank thee in advance and pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. ask you to turn with me to Psalm 85. Psalm 85. And full disclosure, um, this, is the, this is the passage that includes the, the camp theme for this year. And so I've, I was asked to have Actually, I was asked to have the first message at camp next week, so there is a risk that there may be some overlap here between what we look at this morning and what will be looked at next week, but as I was looking at these verses, um, a few things struck me, and, and especially kind of dovetailing with some of the thoughts that we had discussed a couple weeks ago, finishing up in Colossians, and in particular Colossians 3, I just was noticing how these dovetailed together and, and thought um, really felt the Lord asking us to look at it again. Uh, a, short, a short psalm, so we'll read all the 13 verses. Psalm 85. Lord, thou hast been favorable unto thy land. Thou hast brought back the captivity of Jacob. Thou hast forgiven the iniquity of thy people. Thou hast covered all their sins. Selah. Thou hast taken away all thy wrath. Thou hast turned thyself from the fierceness of thine anger. Turn us, O God, of our salvation, and cause thine anger toward us to cease. Wilt thou be angry with us forever? Wilt thou draw out thine anger to all generations? Wilt thou not revive us again, that thy people may rejoice in thee? Show us thy mercy, O Lord, and grant us thy salvation. I will hear what God the Lord will speak, for he will speak peace unto his people and to his saints. But let them not turn again to folly. Surely his salvation is nigh them that fear him, that glory may dwell in our land. Mercy and truth are met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed each other. Truth shall spring up out of the earth, and righteousness shall look down from heaven. Yea, the Lord shall give that which is good, and our land shall yield her increase. Righteousness shall go before him, and shall set us in the way of his steps. I've read all of Psalm 85. 
Um, if somebody, I don't know when I first, I'll start it that way. I don't know when I first saw what the theme for Eastern Camp was, but um, actually I probably found out pretty early because we were picking songs. And so the theme we were told is revive us again. And immediately my mind went to, to the song, right? Um, we praise thee, O God, for the Son of thy love, for Jesus who died and is now gone above. Hallelujah, thine the glory. Hallelujah, amen. Hallelujah, thine the glory. Revive us again. Now, did you know that that's the first verse? It's the second verse that says, revive us again. Oh, now I had my notes. Sorry. This is a different part of my notes. I'm sorry. I wanted to make sure I got Revive us again. Fill each heart with thy love. May each soul be rekindled with fire from above. Hallelujah, thine the glory. Hallelujah, amen. Hallelujah, thine the glory. Revive us again. When I first saw the theme, I thought immediately of the second verse, because I just figured that that had to be the, the theme of the song, or the, verse, the main verse of the song. But when I sing that, or I think of that, I, I thought of such a joyful, such a, uh, an encouraging song. Um, and I was really excited because I thought this is just so, this should be so inspirational, so uplifting that, you know, after two years of not being able to be at camp, now in the third year we get to go back and to be revived, to be encouraged. And I'm thinking of what Uncle Max used to say about getting our batteries recharged. And as I'm now the middle-aged guy, the dad of kids going to camp, I'm starting, I'm starting to echo what my dad used to say, like as we pulled into Juniata, he'd say, oh, only seven days and we get to go home. I'm not as ex I wasn't as excited about camp this year as I had been in the past. I was not as excited about all the prep, and I'm, I'm getting to that point of like, this is a lot of work, um, having to make sure kids are going where they're all supposed to be. And then I see the theme, and I'm, I'm more encouraged, and I'm more excited, and I'm uh, thinking that this, um, this will be a really blessed, blessed time. And then I started reading these verses. When, when it fell to me to have to, to speak about something or to, to share a message, I wanted to see where the verses were. And I did not know that this is where the verse, Revive Us Again, came from. But when you actually read that in verse 6, Wilt thou not revive us again, that thy people may rejoice in thee? This was a... A scary place that they were at. This was a, a, a traumatic time that we believe, this is David the psalmist, um, that he was going through. I mean, if you, if, and we'll, we'll read through the verses again, but the thought is, Bible scholars, and maybe they're right, maybe they're wrong, but even just for the premise of reading this with a little bit of context, the thought is that this is written in a time when the Philistines were occupying the children of Israel. And so as he starts to recall here, he says, Lord, thou hast been favorable unto thy land. Thou hast brought back the captivity of Jacob. Hearkening back to the, um, to the redemption that they had had when they were in captivity in the wilderness and being now then brought out of captivity and into the promised land. And he, he's hearkening back to that saying that you had forgiven the iniquity of thy people. Thou hast covered all their sin. 
calling to remembrance, not just for him and for the people, but calling God's remembrance to the, the fact that they had been let out of captivity and they had been freed and brought back into their promised land. Thou hast taken away all thy wrath and have turned thyself from the fierceness of thine anger. Then it says, Turn us, O God of our salvation, and cause thine anger to cease, uh, toward us to cease. Wilt thou be angry with us forever? Wilt thou draw out thine anger to all generations? I think the Amplified says, instead of turn us, it says, Restore us, O God. Restore us, O God of our salvation, and cause thine anger toward us to cease. In the same way, Lord, that you saved us and brought us out of captivity, brought us out of captivity in Egypt and through the wilderness and into the promised land, bring us out of this captivity that we have now with the Philistines. Wilt thou revive us again that thy people may rejoice in thee? Will you revive us? Will you save us? Will you bring us back out? Show us thy mercy, O Lord, and grant us thy salvation. And here are the verses that I'd really like to hone in this morning because this is what really struck me. I will hear what God the Lord will speak. For he will speak peace unto his people and to his saints. But let them not turn again to folly. This idea of revival and the tie that it has toward hearing what the Lord would speak, that he's pleading with God to be revived. He's pleading with God for the salvation of one, his people, but then himself personally, because we talk about this, I will hear what the Lord will speak. The tie of these two things together and the question of do we hear what, what God will speak? Do we hear the Lord's speaking in our lives do we hear or listen to the words that are being spoken to us? Um, Friday afternoon, actually Friday morning, uh, I got a message that Ash had a meeting in the afternoon and uh, was asking me to be home by 3.30. Because, or, or as close to 3.30 as possible, because she needed to be in Skinny Alice at 4. And so I said, yep, no problem. And I'm on my way home a uh, little before 3.30. I'm going to get there about on time. And I called her on the phone, and we're just talking really quickly. And, and I, I knew I had to be there at 3.30. I knew what the plan was for the rest of the evening. Um, we were going to meet up in Skinny Atlas a little bit later. There was a couple errands I needed to run with the kids. And I, and I had in my head, you know, I get up in the morning and I, I make a to-do list. And like I had my afternoon to-do list kind of written out. And so I called her. She had texted me something. And I said, rather than texting back while I was driving, I was going to be responsible about this. And so I called. I called, pick up the phone. She answers. And she said, so are you on your way? Yes, I'm on my way. I'll be there in just a couple minutes. And then I, she tried to start telling me some revision to what needed to happen. And I said, yeah, no, I have it. And then I kept, I kept talking. And she said, no, but there's, I, I need, there's something else changed. There's a deep, and I, no, no, I got it. And then I'm going to do this, and then I'm going to do that. And, then, and finally she said, can you stop talking and just listen? Very nicely. It was I know mom and dad have a look going back. Apparently this happens in their house. Some of you are laughing too. Maybe it happens in your house too. Can you, can you just listen for a second? 
And I had to kind of stop for a second and I didn't realize that I was running headlong into my plans, even though there was some piece of information that I needed that was going to change what my plan was supposed to be for the afternoon. And as I was thinking about, because I've been thinking about these verses for two weeks now, and I, I had to stop for a second and think, how many times do I need to get up in the morning and tell God, I'll tell myself, I will hear what the Lord God is saying, the Lord my God is saying. This can be in the context of um, direction for our lives. What, what, what is the, the next plan that we are supposed to execute on? Um, this can be in the context, of, well, let me set that aside a second. Carnally speaking, let's, let's stay with in an earthly sense. What do we hear? What, what do we listen to? What, what is the influence around us? Um, I've joked many times, and it's become a theme around here now, about how fascinated Ethan is with history and, and um, the Revolutionary War in particular right now. And so even in our, if you go into our YouTube, our family YouTube channel, I guess you would call it, and go to history, it's like all of like the revolution, all of these little um, documentary things about the revolution. And then there's a couple Lego thing mixed in, and then a couple aviation things for me. But you can see, like, you're getting a microcosm, not a microcosm, you're getting a snapshot of what, what you're listening to. If you're on social media and you, this is the scary part, if you're, if you're on social media, you'll, all of a sudden you'll get advertisements pop up in your stream. And the advertisements are remarkably for something that you searched for on the internet the other night. You know, you were looking for a new mattress or something like that, and all of a sudden, the targeted advertising comes to you for that kind of mattress. If you watch a particular news outlet or any particular news outlet, you're getting a focused stream of what news they're providing you or what their view of it is. And I had to think to myself, is like, the, the listening that I'm doing... If, if, if I took a, a snapshot of that and looked back at, at what are the things that are being influenced, having their influence placed upon me, how am I, what am I doing as far as listening to those things? How am I applying those? And am I listening to the Lord in the same way that I'm listening to the other influences around me? Because the, the description that he gives here it's tied to revival. Wilt thou not revive us again that thy people may rejoice in thee? Show us thy mercy, O Lord, and grant us thy salvation. I will hear what the Lord will speak. For he will speak peace unto his people and to his saints. But let them not return again, but let them not turn again to folly. We have that other, another example for you, right? When you're talking to your children, you, you ask them to do something. And I'll give you the example. No, this is, I have to give you the example. Yesterday, I'm working in, the, working in the driveway, and I asked Ethan to help me move some boards. We had some boards left over. And I said, listen, I have a job for you. And give him all the credit in the world. It was not a fun job, but he was willing to do it. And I said, I need you to take these boards and I need you to stack them up nicely 
next to the garage. Lay them down, stack them up on a pile next to the garage. And he goes and he picks up the first couple boards and he stands next to the garage and he sends them on end and leans them against the garage. And I, like playing back in my head, I said, lay them down and make a pile. And he's stacking them. And, and he's a very meticulous boy. So he's like stacking, leaning, making sure that it's good, then goes and gets the next one. Meanwhile, I'm listening to something else, wasn't paying attention. I look back and I'm like, dude, what are you doing? Well, I'm le I said, no, lay them down. And the other detail I had given him was all the way at the back by the shed or by the, uh, the fence. There's a joint between our fence and our garage in the back corner, i.e. get it as far away from people's line of sight as possible. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And he starts laying those down. Those boards get laid down. There's like six more two by fours now that need to go. And I said, do me a favor between the pile that you've put on the ground and the garage, take these boards and lay them down in between those two spots. Takes the boards up. I put my headphones back in. I keep working. I look back two by four standing on end, leaning against the side of the garage. And I'm like, what did I, did I miss? Like what part of me saying these words? Like I know I said them and I know I pointed these things out, but there was a difference between like hearing and actually listening. And as I was even, as the words were coming out of my mouth, the thoughts are in my head as, as to those, that combination. I, the Lord is like hitting me over the head saying, how many times have I told you to do, to do this? And you started running headlong into that activity or into that idea before you actually got the whole message. You know, sometimes it's to, to confront something. You know, we're going back to camp. There's been times in the past where I've had the responsibility of having to fix things. And as soon as somebody said, go fix this, I start running to fix it, not recognizing that there were supposed to be some measures of mercy and some peace that were supposed to be spoken into those things I was being told to do. And yet, because I was running headlong, I had heard what should happen, but hadn't listened exactly to how it should be done. And I think in our lives, as we, as we walk with the Lord, David, the psalmist, whoever it was, was, was pointing out here that not only do we need to be revived, not only do we need to listen, but if we don't listen, we will return again back to this folly. Well, what is folly? In this context, it's going to be some error. It's going to be some sin. There is something in our lives for all of us that is that thing or those things that would draw us back from our lack of connection with the Lord, our lack of obedience, our lack of listening, hearing, listening, and obeying. If we're not living in that form, formwork, that we would be drawn back again into some kind of folly. As I was, I was reading uh, some thoughts on this, and, and one, um, I can't remember who exactly it was, but I... I should give him the credit. But the imagery was, has some of the leaven, some of the former leaven in your life begun to ferment into an all-too-familiar sin? If you think about that, has the former leaven in our lives, those, the, the former nature, the old nature, the carnal nature that we have, has some of that old leaven, that old yeast, 
begun to ferment, and it's a small, slow, gradual process, but has that little bit begun to ferment because you gave it enough sugar, you gave it, and I'm really bad with what happens there, you've given whatever it needs to start developing, to start rising, to start growing, and there's some measure of that that has begun to form in our lives again, and we've been drawn away. And maybe it isn't even to the point where there is... uh, action that has been taken, but we've allowed the process to, to begin. We've allowed a door to be left open so that that seed of temptation could come. And, and what he's saying here is like, don't let us be drawn again to folly or to that, to that sin nature. Surely his salvation is nigh unto them that fear him, that glory may dwell in the land. Mercy and truth are met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed each other. Truth shall spring out of the earth, and righteousness shall look toward heaven. Yea, the Lord shall give thee that which is good, and our land shall yield her increase. Righteousness shall go before him, and shall set us in the way of his steps. All of these blessings, all of this beautiful description is an outpouring and an outflowing of this revival that has taken place and the obedience to the voice of the Lord being heard. And so I had to think for myself as I'm looking at, you know, we look at it in the context of of a week at camp, but not just as a week of camp, but every step in our lives, we have these moments with the Lord. Like daily, we should be looking at our lives as, as a form of revival in the Lord. As I wake each morning, am I asking the Lord to search me and try me, know my thoughts See if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. I know I jumbled those up and mixed up the words. But am I, am I living my life with that being the start of each day? I, I, I think, I, I don't know what it's going to be like to, to get to camp this year. Um, I've thought about that many times now because it's been so long since we've been there. It's been so long since any of us have gone to big events like this. That, that's another thing that has me a little, you know, I go to Wegmans and it's crowded and I'm like, this is a little bit much. And this is going to be a lot more than that. But I wonder where, you know, in the past, we've been so encouraged by it. But I've also thought in, at times that because we have such a concentrated time of, of fellowship and of um, study and encouragement, that the, the letdown that we have after the fact is almost a detriment sometimes. That we've ridden so high that we take it for granted and, and take it easy in the weeks afterwards. And so what I've really endeavored this year is to, is to be intentional in my thought process, in my thought life, in my spiritual life as I, as I approach this. That yes, this is a blessing. Yes, this is a time where... The evil one will be put at bay. Certainly there's all of the things that happen for the rest of us where you got to prepare for a week away for any vacation. The last week before vacation is when everything goes bad at work, right? You have to prep everything, get it all ready so that you don't have to worry about it when you're away. And we know that will come. We know that there will be the distractions that will weigh in our path. But, but is my walk with the Lord such that I'm prepared in advance for the things that may come, and that when the week is passed, that I will still be prepared, that I'll still be motivated, just encouraged that much more, but still taught in those things that will make that a sustainable walk 
for the rest of the year. If there was no camp, if there was no reason for us to get together in Harrisonburg, Virginia next week, would I still seek revival tomorrow? Would I still seek revival this afternoon? Would I still seek diligently to hear the Lord's word in my life and to be obedient to it? The things that he directs me to correct in my life today, do I take that to heart? Do I recognize that if I'm not taking that to heart, if I'm not being obedient in that, I'm allowing that seed of sin, that seed of leaven, that leaven of the old nature to start to develop, to start to grow in my life. And the more that I let it grow, the more control I allow it to have. And it has to be starved. It needs to be starved. It needs to be turned over to the Lord and to recognize that that's, there's no place for that in my life. But when he tells me, when he, when he is that word behind me saying, this is the way, walk ye in it. When he says, go this way, and I say, well, I just want to see what's over around this corner. I talked about this a couple weeks ago with the, the, this pilot that landed the plane, or the, the passenger that landed the plane on behalf of the pilot that had passed out. I come back to that imagery so many times. Do I trust God enough to take the direction for my life like that? I do not know how to land this plane. I'm going to trust the voice in my, in my ears, my Father directing my path. I'm going to trust Him fully. I think the trouble is, by virtue of the success that we've had in life, we think that we know how to do this. And it's only in those moments when we're back in captivity or we're back in some trial that we didn't, don't know how we got there and don't, you know, don't know how to find our way out that we go, oh, no, 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 listen, i got to put the headphones back on. God is here directing my path, saying, this is the way, walk ye in it. And too often I've, I've taken those off and I've said, no, I, I, I know how to navigate this. I'm thankful that I can navigate this path because of the years I've spent with the Lord or the years of experience that I have as a believer or in child rearing. This is the third one. We know how to do this now. No, the third one's totally different than the first two. I need the Lord's direction in my life. I still need to hear what God the Lord will speak. And it's... It's a humbling thing and an, it's uh, an embarrassing thing to say all at the same time that there would need to be that reminder, that there would need to be that, that shaking at times that we say that, no, we're not, self, we're not self-sufficient. As believers, we are not self-sufficient. Surely, we ha- his, in His Word, we have all that we need. And in His Spirit, directing and inspiring our lives, we have all the direction that we need. But we have to listen. If we're not listening, if we're not obeying, all the information, all the direction, all the encouragement and instruction that we receive is worthless if we don't hear it and apply it. And so, maybe, maybe there's, probably, there's probably many more examples as to, to why that might be the case. We, one might be prone, in my case, I might be prone to, to talk too much. Not might be. I am certainly prone to talking too much. To talking over the Lord. To thinking I have the, a better plan. Some might be distracted. 
might be out in the weeds with minutia and too focused on these little de- one little detail. Some might be absent-minded. I know as I'm thinking about some of the folks that I talk to at home, there's some absent-mindedness. No, when I said put your shoes on, I didn't mean just on. Like, you have to tie them. Now we're getting ready to go. It's time to go to church. Okay, well, wait a second. Now I have to get this and I have to get that and I have to get the other thing. But was nobody listening earlier when we said we need to get ready? We need to be prepared. Well, I was distracted. I was thinking about something else. It's such a simple concept, but the thought that just to leave on, are we, surely we hear, surely we hear the Lord speaking to us. But are we listening to what he's saying and are we being obedient to the direction that we're receiving? As a believer, that's, that's one thing. As someone outside the fold, if the Lord is speaking to our lives, it is a matter of life and death. It's a matter of life and death being obedient to the Lord. I shouldn't even say separate of in, with the Lord or without. Because those are, for, for the believer, it is too. If we don't listen, if we don't listen, we quench and we walk away. And we, we quench, we grieve, we walk away. The whole process. The longer we allow that old nature to cultivate in our lives, the more at risk we place ourselves as we walk away from him, as he is consistently, quietly, sometimes loudly, but clearly describing to us the way that he would have us walk. Purely a question, and he's given us the power to walk that way. Purely a question as to whether or not we will listen and obey.